You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest stories from the world of F1, including a split in Ferrari, Red Bull not having it all their way, have some rules been flexed, a weekend to learn from at Silverstone, and a view from the paddock. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the F1 world. This show is brought to you by the news team at Formula Nerds. And to keep up to date with all the latest Formula One news and the feeder series, W series, Formula E, Extreme motorsport news, visit FormulaNerds.com. Now, today's a bit of a weird show because whilst I'm here, I only have one other person on the panel with me. James, how are you and how is it just going to be the two of us? I'm very well, thank you, Abby. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. We've got quite a bit of interesting news to get through today, I think. We do, we do. And yeah, don't worry, I'll be, uh, I'll be fine as well, as long as you don't mind, it's just me to, to talk to. <laughs> no, that is fine. So, shall we kick off with a split in Ferrari? Obviously, British Grand Prix, a massive weekend for Carlos Sainz. He got his first pole and he turned it into his first Grand Prix win. He only had to wait 150 races, but he did it. And whilst there is that positive note for Ferrari, there's also a bit of negative news, shall we say, surrounding the team at the moment. Yeah, we, we had the really funny explanation, which I almost found like a really bad uh, political broadcast in a way, where 
Matteo Bonotto went straight over to Charles Leclerc after the race and wagged his finger at him in a very serious looking conversation to which Leclerc and Bonotto both said separately that that was him being told don't worry you know you'll, you'll, you'll get better etc and you'll have a better result next time if that's but not his idea of sympathy and putting an arm around you. I would hate to see what he's like when he's angry. Uh, it, it, it's pretty obvious that it was a ticking off and saying, don't talk about what happened. Ferrari's strategy, we, you and me talked about it at length, didn't we, with Ollie on, you know, for the Sunday podcast, for the epic, you know, for the epic race that, we, that, that was on Sunday. I, I, I just don't... Leclerc can't trust Ferrari anymore. That's pretty obvious. And... Uh, Race by race, we'll just see what happens. I think that's the only way you can describe it. It's 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 just it just it's just nonstop drama with that team at the moment, and it's never a good thing ever. No, it's certainly not. And I, I think I saw somewhere that I think it was Crofty who said that Bonotto was saying, "Do not criticize the team," because obviously we had Leclerc staying out. He didn't get pulled into the pits, and he threw his toys out the pram for lack of a better word, and that. But after the race. With Science's win, apparently there was a divide between team personnel because according to reports, some team personnel initially refused to partake in the celebrations for Science's win and that and Alberto and Antonini, the former Ferrari press officer, said that they refused to take part in the podium celebrations and ritual photos initially. And yes, a little rivalry is a good thing within a garage. But having that, that's certainly not a good sign, surely. No, when you get to that level of uh, team rivalry, you're heading towards implosion. Now, I've reckon, uh, I've already talked about McLaren back in 2007, uh, a few podcasts ago, uh, when they had their, their, their trigger point at the Hungarian Grand Prix. And effectively, you had the, both sides of the garages against each other, not wanting to work with each other. And um, that's not where Ferrari are, far from it. But the way Mercedes had their garages back in 2014 was that the they were separated out, but they were always working for the common good. And you knew that they were they was they, Hamilton versus Rosberg were separate parts of the garages, separate teams. Ferrari are meant to be one unified team, but the divide that's, sing, that, that's getting in there is so toxic and dangerous that it can very very quickly spiral out of control. And that's not me trying to sensationalise. Um, but not only to get a grip on this quickly, because if you've got team members initially refusing to go to the podium ceremony and then having to be coaxed out to go, I mean, I don't know what, I mean, we, we don't know what was said to make them go to the ceremony, probably go because I, I employ you. Um, you're heading down a pretty dangerous path, in my view. Yeah, I completely agree. And especially since, like, this was a big weekend for science. And I know last year, science had the better season statistically he was the most consistent driver out of all 20 on the grid and this year he did have a rookie start with a couple of dnfs and that and i know charles is kind of the poster boy of ferrari if you like so i think this weekend played a massive part in which driver will kind of lead the team and be the number one driver and if team orders ever come into play which they kind of did over the weekend, it will be very interesting to see what they do and how the team react. But I know Leclerc said that on his side, he didn't quite have the full picture. He only knew what his race was like. But yeah, Ferrari is supposed to be one unit, like you say. So it will definitely be interesting to see how this unfolds as the season goes on. Team orders in Ferrari are a very different thing compared to what they were back in 2010 uh, um, and beforehand. Ferrari used to be so authoritative with those team orders. Now they're really, really not. 
And the battle for supremacy for Ari has now begun. Science wants in on this championship. He's still quite far behind Charles in the standings. Uh, he is very quickly now finding his feet. He, every driver has a rough patch, and a lot of people wrote him off. We said he needed some time to recover after, after the rough start of the season he's had. Since Monaco, he has been on fire. Uh, he's had a string of podiums, and now he's got his first win. He's now riding a crest of a wave that is only going to help him get better. The problem for Leclerc is that he's had a series of bad results. He's brought the car home, well, most of the time, and it's not really been his fault when he hasn't. Uh, Ferrari have to decide who is their number one driver versus who's their number two. Ferrari also have a history of saying, we have a number one driver, a.k.a. Mr. Schumacher, but then they went through a period of not having a number one driver. And that's when they started to lose championships. So... Ferrari have a very good model, but they need to decide what sort of team they are. Are they authoritative again? Are they someone they were happy to have a discussion with uh, their drivers again or have a complete indecision? As we saw at Silverstone, it was quite embarrassing. Well, speaking of science now joining the championship fight, there is another team that has both drivers in the championship fight, and that is Red Bull. So for them, Silverstone was quite bittersweet shall we say obviously we spoke about it on sunday's podcast if you haven't listened to our race review yet go and check that out but perez started at the back of the field during the second restart and everything he was at the end of the field during the race but he finished it p2 he got a podium whereas max verstappen he qualified p2 but he finished seventh because he had quite an unfortunate race unfortunately for him yeah, Verstappen's race really wasn't going to be great. And I made the joke, and I'll make it again, that Emperor Marco will be displeased with the result, um, I think, because Perez once again drove an absolutely flawless race. Uh, he ha- he didn't put a foot wrong, and he he knew when to push. And he as soon as he saw a whiff of a podium, he was after it. And you y- y- do have to ask... Perez probably could have had an easy victory I think as well potentially well speaking of easy victories there are some people saying that Max could have easily won that race if it wasn't for the first start being red flagged obviously due to the crash because Max did end up taking the lead but coming into Austria it's Red Bull's home race they have success there in previous years obviously and they're once again in the headlines because of Aston Martin and the copycat Green Bull, as it's been coined. So, this well, in the coming weeks or this weekend, we have the Formula One Commission meeting. And Horner has said that the topic of Aston Martin's copycat Red Bull will be a focus of discussion, despite the FIA clearing Aston Martin of doing anything wrong. It is an interesting one, isn't it, really? Uh, it's almost as if you've got a huge cake and i'm not saying i've ever done this i have there's a huge cake in front of you and there's a big slice out of it missing and they look at you and you're the one who's got jam on your lips and you say did you eat that and you say no we all know we everyone knows i ate it (laughs) everyone knows that it was clearly me and yet i have still denied it red bull have done exactly so not red bull aston martin have done exactly the same they have been caught with their trousers down in effect but that it's so outrageous that they've, that they've tried to carry on as if, as if to say, no, we designed two cars. Oh, that's, that was the explanation, wasn't it? We've designed two cars over the winter. What 
team has the money to do that with a cost cap. Um, yeah, it, that was their explanation, having two different concepts, testing one, that didn't quite go to plan, so then they jumped ship to the other one. But I don't know whether... I don't really know how to feel about this, with because obviously they've been cleared of any wrongdoing, as we said, but surely Red Bull, with that, you should trust the FIA and accept the FIA's decision, but they're still on the fence going, no, we need to investigate this further. We need to, we need to discuss this further because I don't believe it. But the problem is, is the car is just so similar. That, I, mean, I mean, literally, you, you, you could take the side of the Aston Martin, plonk it onto the side of the Red Bull like a jigsaw puzzle, and it would fit perfectly. You know, it is literally a copycat. Um the FIA have cleared Aston Martin, of course. You know, we know they have, and then that's 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 all above board. Um, we still, do we ever find out from Christian Horner how the internal investigation went? I think that's still ongoing, isn't it? We never heard back from that after that. No, I don't think we have. So maybe that's what he's going to bring up potentially if they've discovered something in their investigation. I don't know, but it will definitely be interesting when we get the results from the internal investigation and what they are. Spice. Spicy, spicy. Let's see what happens with that. Well, we also have uh, some more rules. Uh, The rules of porpoising. So now we've got some new rules on the floors. And apparently they have been flaunted very badly by certain teams. Abby, what do you you reckon of the latest uh, bouncing rules to uh, be talked about in the paddock? Well, porpoising has definitely been a topic of conversation for... I think the whole series, I feel like I've heard the word porpoising so much in 2022. And obviously, Mercedes were the ones most affected. And then the FAA brought in this directive that they were looking at over um, previous race weekends to kind of bring in different rules to limit the amount of porpoising for the cars, which will then, if cars are found to be um, flaunting those limits, then teams will be punished in that. But... The race reported that there are a couple of teams who have exploited the area at the back of the plank where there's no measurement. Now, I believe those teams are Red Bull and Ferrari, apparently, and they could be the ones needing to make changes to fit the rules to make sure that they are satisfied with the directive. Which is very interesting because Toto Wolff has said that some teams have found a grey area, but for Mercedes it never even... Like they didn't even think of finding that grey area. Two top teams exploiting the rules and finding loopholes to uh, exploit to make their car go faster. In Formula 1, I, I didn't think that was a thing, to be honest. Um, but uh, in, all ser- in all seriousness, it does not really surprise me that those two, that those top two teams have done that. Uh, these guys are, well, Mercedes aren't in the championship fight, but Mercedes are known for their innovation. Ferrari are known for their well, should we say, questionable innovation sometimes if you think back to the engine the engine stuff of 2019. But these guys are at the forefront of the at the forefront of the Formula One. They will always try and find ways to uh, go faster. And sometimes that can mean exploiting rules. But we have heard, haven't we, from Mercedes that uh, they could have been disqualified in Baku had those rules been in place, which is a bit of an admission to make. Uh, you wouldn't. I don't think you'd have Red Bull or Ferrari or any other team for that matter saying something that blunt. So, I guess watch this space and let's just see what happens when we all go to Austria. Austria is not a smooth surface. Uh, it's quite uh, 
service so surface not service um well that's debatable depending on what pit lane you're in sorry pun never mind but he, i think the the the, the bouncing in, in austria is going to be quite bad and i suspect these new uh exploits that people have found may well come into effect yeah definitely and toto wolf has said that the mis- the Mercedes car has never really done well around Austria on two particular bends because it is a bendy surface. And compared to Silverstone, like you said, it is quite bumpy. So they are expecting to not do quite as well as they did in Silverstone. So we may not see the Silver Arrows on the podium. But who knows? It could turn around, but I doubt it. Um, But yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens when these rules are permanently in effect and whether some teams have flaunted them and whether they will receive punishments or not i believe they're coming into effect for the french grand prix i believe and that's when teams will get punished if they have broken the rules well i guess the saying needs to be altered if you got it don't flaunt it simple as sorry that's a terrible pun but i really don't care <laughs> <laughs> well learning from my terrible pun uh forget serious for a minute the importance of safety from Silverstone with those two catastrophic accidents, uh, which F1 has F1 has really had a love-hate relationship with the Halo. But once again, we're back in the position where the Halo did save, unequivocally did save two lives this weekend. Roy, Roy Nassani and, Guan, and Zhou Guan Yu. Uh, you talked to Roy Nassani, didn't you? Um, on his way back to the paddock when he retired from the race. I was quite cutting of him on the Cut to the Race podcast on for Silverstone because his driving was just, it was diabolical. Um, what did you say to him and what did he tell you back? Yeah, so Sam and I, Sam, who listeners should know if they have listened to this podcast previously, we did speak to Roy about the incident that he had with Dennis Hauger and he was very he was very diplomatic um, with regards to the sausage curbs and he was very apologetic. And as a result, he has taken a five grid position penalty in Austria given to him by the stewards, which he thinks is fair. Now, obviously, Nasani ran Hauger off the track and as a result, Hauger went wide over the sausage curbs and his car was launched and landed on top of Nasani's car. And it was so horrific and horrendous to watch and you just think thank god for that halo because if that halo wasn't there then it could have been fatal for nasani yeah and the debate on sausage curbs has now been opened i believe by uh, alex Verts. so he's the he's a former gpda chairman so he does have some sway even now even though he's retired and i think what, what was it that uh ollie labeled them uh, what do they label them as ramps for cars these days? It, 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 they, they, they should not be there. And again, not to sound like a broken record, but Nasani's penalty of five places on the grid. I mean, I, I'm quite. Keen, I don't know what you thought about his the start of his race, uh, Abby, but it wasn't the greatest. And he kept on going behind, and it was clear it was a desperate move because he he darted across the track, didn't he? But I just don't understand why driving like that doesn't need to at least a ban or even a suspended ban. But five places just doesn't seem. It doesn't seem appropriate enough for, for 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 driving that erratic. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think it's like you have to be objective with it and not look at the race, not look at the incident result, but look at the incident itself. I think when you're trying to give the punishment and that and not go, oh, OK, well, yes, they caused it. 
but they were also injured from it so their punishment should be lenient i think they should be definitely be two separate things so it is interesting how there is this controversy about whether the five place grid penalty is enough of a punishment for nasani or not i i I hope other people who watched the incident as well who saw nasani start see just how erratic that driving was because i am with you you can't punish someone leniently based on the fact they got hurt nasani's driving was extremely erratic and very dangerous and i'm sorry if there are any fans of nasani on the podcast who have offended with that but uh, he he can't you can't drive like that. It reminded me, unfortunately, I hate to raise him. It did remind me a little bit of uh, Mahavir Raghagunthan a few years ago when he was really struggling with his driving and he was erratic and where was it? Monaco, where he kept Jack Aiken behind him by doing some extremely questionable moves. So I think, I don't, he's not that bad, is Nassani. I'm not going to label him like that, but he does need to really improve his driving style quickly if he's going to continue in, in F2. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Despite the F2 crash and the multiple incidents in the Formula One Grand Prix, the race had the highest numbers that it's had in seven years. And W Series had one million viewers. So there were some record-breaking numbers at Silverstone this weekend, which is just amazing to see, especially for W Series, getting that many viewers for an upcoming championship that has only just got Sky coverage this season. It is incredible to see. And... I think, I don't know whether COVID's helped bring more fans. Obviously, it's brought more fans back in person to the races, but having record-breaking numbers like that was just amazing for the sport. Simon Lazenby called it when he said that, you know, this was the first race at Tina Silverstone we had without restrictions because we only forget this time last year, we were, I think, only just coming out of our final lockdown. It's only been 12 months since life returned to what we see as normal. It's obviously quite changed a lot since since lockdown ended. But it was the first race we've had at Silverstone since since lockdowns have ended, where we can meet up again with everybody. And I think that that did have a bit of that did have a huge impact on it. But not just that, it's the it's the Netflix effect. Drive to survive. Say what you like about it, sir. Should we say it's questionable uh, uh, story arcs? Uh, I'm thinking like, like the Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo one from last year, which was a little bit, should we say, not correct. But the fact is, is that it has brought a lot of audiences. And something else that Ted, uh, Ted commented on as well, uh, Ted Kravitz, he said that we are seeing a lot more women in the sport, which is fantastic, especially with W Series as well. It's brilliant. And not only that, we're also seeing a lot, just a lot more younger audiences as well getting involved in the sport. Uh, Abby, there is no getting away from it in your eyes that I am ancient. Um, but 
I've followed Formula One since the age of six. I'm 34 now, right? I have never known Formula One have this much popularity, you know, in my life. It's it's everywhere you go, you see Lando. Um, uh, you see people in Lando outfits. You see people in George and Alex. There's a huge support. There's huge support up and down the paddock for people. Of course, you have the very set tribes of Mercedes versus Red Bull, but that's the same as you would get with any with any football team as well. But it's just the sheer diverse diversity of people who are supported. It's brilliant. Um, that's a very long-winded way of saying we have a lot of audiences. <laughs> no, it's true. And obviously, like, Mac signed a deal with Viaplay, the streaming service. Um, I think it's a Dutch streaming service. And because of his Maiden World Championship last year, that's surely brought in loads more viewers. Obviously, there's loads of Dutch fans that we see in the grandstands and that were in the orange and everything. But, yeah, and with America and all their races coming there and then the popularity of different countries wanting to be hosts and that the sport is growing exponentially. It seems like there is so many new fans of ages, races, everything it is so diverse and it is great to see. Definitely. And don't forget Lando with, uh, with his, with his stuff as well. I know Lando and George Lando's more of the gamer than George. Sorry, George, but you just are. Um, the, these guys are so clever with what they do because they have personal branding as well as their racer branding and it's bringing people on to Formula One with them and that's where I think we're seeing the influx of younger generation viewers now and I really hope it continues because it's awesome to see people as you know, pe- you know young people, teenagers coming to these races tons of them really excited to see people and excited to see the races it's so good to see and I'm so excited for Formula One's future as a result but Abby, you were at Silverstone so you saw these amazing crowds and I'm extremely jealous of you because you were you had access to the F2 and the F3 paddock and you get to see some exclusive interviews, which I'm I so did. jealous of. So tell us all, tell us all. It was, it was amazing. Sam, our fellow podcaster and fellow Formula nerd, um, he and I were there at Silverstone for the Formula 2 and Formula 3 races, which was just amazing. And it was just incredible to see that whole atmosphere, like we said, the number of people there. It was insane. And Silverstone is big. Like, you think it's big on TV. When you get there, oh my goodness, it is big. The number of steps I racked up over the weekend. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not easy to walk around. I've done it myself. It's not an easy place to walk around. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And with F2 and F3, we managed to go into the paddock and we were speaking to team personnel and some drivers, like we mentioned earlier. We caught up with Nasani, but we also spoke to Frederick Vesti in passing and Yuri Vips in passing and Jacques Crawford and Zach O'Sullivan from F3 as well. But we also spoke to Theo Porcher for ART Grand Prix. And it was a really interesting chat with Theo because he's second in the championship and he's also part of the Sauber Driver Academy affiliated with Alfa Romeo. Now, if you know the race calendar for F1, F2 and F3, you know that July is um, a very busy month. It only has one weekend off for F2 and F1. And Terry commented on the, well, he commented on relishing July with the amazing European tracks, obviously with Austria and then his home race in Le Castellet in France and that. But he also spoke about Monza. Now, for his FP1 session with Alfa Romeo. Now, nothing is set in stone. Nothing is planned at the moment because Teo is very much focused on the F2 championship and doing that part of his career before moving to F1. But he said that Monza would be the best place, the most logical place, 
for an FP1 session with Alfa Romeo because of its time in the calendar, obviously beginning of September with the massive break to Abu Dhabi. So I found that really interesting because I feel like Monza would be a good place for him to do FP1, the penultimate weekend of the F2 season and that, and fingers crossed he could get a session this season. Obviously, I know he's focused on F2, but it would be good to see him in an F1 car. Definitely. Teo Porcher is an example of a driver who is being coached really well for his future role in F1. I followed Teo through from F3 and now in F2. He is seriously quick. He's really, really fast. And I I don't know where he'll end up in Formula 1 because I think there's not much room at the end at the moment. Um, I think it's probably going to take Bottas retiring, most likely, for him to take that, for him to go and join Joe at, uh, at Alpha. But I am really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, I, I really want to see Teo in a Formula 1 car because I've got the feeling he's going to be quick straight away not to put pressure on him but I'm sure one guy on a Formula Nerds podcast isn't going to put too much pressure on him but I, I really do think that he's he's the future and he's an, he's another Monegasque who's going to do extremely well in Formula 1 and for Monaco to have to go from having no drivers to potentially two in the space of three years the, 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 the junior categories are doing its job to find drivers like that for sure definitely he is one very quick driver Definitely. But yeah, so that is all the time that we have today for our news. Indeed, indeed. And sadly it is. But if you want to find out all the latest news, please go to FormulaNurse.com and you can check out all our latest uh, race reviews, all the latest gossip. And if you want to follow us as well on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter, you'll get all the news as well. You want from there as well. Abby, always fun. Yes, it was good. Just the two of us. I think I think we managed to make it work. I, th- I, th- I think we did. I think we did. It's Austria this weekend. Uh, you looking forward to that quickly before we go? I am. Again, it'll be very busy, obviously. F1, F2, F3. But yes, definitely. But those are the best weekends though, right? When they're all on. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's very hectic, but it is definitely most enjoyable. Just a f- whole weekend of motorsport. Well, that is indeed all we've got time for, unfortunately. So, uh, Abby, it really has been fun. We definitely have made it work. Uh, We'll see you guys all on Sunday after the race uh, for our next podcast. Until then, bye-bye. Hello, my name is Roy Mylander and you're listening to the Formula Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race Podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King and you're listening to the Formula Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race Podcast. It's lights out and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.